If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. Amazing. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, your exercise, and medication decisions. All those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and a lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Special needs five-year-old Volusia County boy could not walk or talk and weighed less than 25 pounds. Police say the boy's stepfather denied any wrongdoing and claimed that he was a good father. Police say he added that he came from a rich family and the other two children living there that were his were well taken care of. What is most troubling is that there was another adult in the home and who did nothing for this for this little boy. A Florida couple accused of neglecting a five-year-old little boy. And you know what? When you say it like that, it's really putting perfume on the pig. Neglecting. That doesn't really say what happened. According to the Department of Children and Family Services, when investigators arrive at the home, there's a five-year-old boy lying in the floor. He weighs less than 25 pounds. Pounds. When my son was five years old, of course, he's a little horse, but when my son was five years old, he already weighed like 80, 90 pounds for Pete's sake. He, he weighs 125 right now and he's nine. This child, a five year old boy, 
weighs less than 25 pounds. He's lying in the floor attempting to eat cereal scraps off a filthy carpet. A five-year-old boy weighs less than 25 pounds, and he's crawling on the floor trying to get cereal scraps someone else left, dropped, off of a filthy carpet. The little boy's hands and feet were orange, and he had peeling skin and blisters on his hands and feet. When asked, the stepfather said, He's not my responsibility. I'm not his real father. I come from a rich family. Okay, how far under the jail can I put this guy and this child's mother? I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories, and I want to thank you for being with us. Today, day one of our launch on Sirius XM Triumph 132. Thanks, everybody, for being with us. I can't tell you how thrilled our team is to join the all-star lineup at Sirius XM. Oh, yes, we will continue to fight crime. We are all about breaking news, finding missing people, especially children, and shining a light on crime, heating up cold cases, solving unsolved homicides, and arming you with information to help us stop crime. You know why? Because I believe we can make a difference in our world. And you know what? I'm going to start with this little boy on the carpet eating cereal, a cereal scrap. With me, my producer, the Duke, Alan Duke, joining me out of L.A. And today, a special guest, a veteran defense attorney, Brian Claypool, joining us from his posh L.A. law offices. Brian Claypool at ClaypoolLawFirm.com. You've been around the block a couple of times. Give me one good reason. This father and mother should not go to jail and stay there. 25 pounds. Scraps of cereal. Brian, you're the defense lawyer. Let's hear it. Hey, Nancy. Thrilled to be with you on your inaugural Sirius Radio launch. Uh, It's an honor to be with you. And, of course, you know when I'm on with you, we're, we're always at odds. And it's, it's one thing to... Don't try to butter me up by are, saying how honored you are to be here. Let's just jump right into the facts, okay? Go ahead. Fair enough. It's one thing to think that somebody is guilty of a crime, in this instance, child neglect, child endangerment, child abuse. But it's vastly different to actually prove those crimes beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law. And what I mean by that is there's a a couple facts that are missing in this tragic situation. Mm -hmm. Number one. What would that be? Well, a couple of Is there a past record of of the uh, Department of Children and Family Services being called over to the home? Is there a history of neglect? Claypool, I really appreciate that. And I know that you do your very best. And you win a lot of cases, Brian Claypool. 
But that's just like saying Scott Peterson never murdered any other wife. Well, Nancy, There's always a first time. Don't throw me And these two did it in spectacular don't. fashion. Look, you never know. Down the road, you might need help from me. So don't throw me, toss me under the bus. I think I'm on your speed dial as your criminal defense lawyer. So don't toss me under the bus so quickly. <laughs> the second fact, see? Okay. You're not immune from trouble. Please just give me some kind of a defense here. I mean, the fact that he's never been caught before doesn't make me feel any better. The second most important fact, and and, and hear me out on this, there there has to be a medical examination uh, of this child done to determine, you know, for for example, was there a pre-existing medical condition? You mentioned yellow, a yellow color on the hand. (laughs) Let's find out. Okay, go ahead. I'm listening. Let's find out whether there is some kind of medical condition that might have pre-existed this this big global assumption that everybody's making that these these parents were starving this child. So I I think that's important. Well, he weighed less than 25 pounds. Nancy, that could be from a medical condition. Right. And crawling on the floor trying to eat cereal scraps. I don't know about you, but I assume you have a table and chairs at your house where your family sits and eats instead of crawling on the carpet, eating off filthy carpet. And another thing, now that you got me started up, Brian Claypool, the other thing is this, the child had never had any form of education. No one had even taught him to speak, to communicate. He's like, an animal. Well, how do you know that? How, how do we know that? Because that's, that's in the di- that's in the police how report. That? That's how I know it. Well, the nobody, police said so. Nancy, Nancy, come on! You're too smart for they don't fall for this trap. There, don't fall no for the police evidence. report. No. Oh, okay, hold on. Let me well, just give me a second, Brian. Give me a second. Yeah. Let me write all this down. A. They never mm-hmm. killed anybody before. B. Possible pre-existing medical conditions. See, hey, what's wrong with eating on the floor, even though I don't do it? And what was the last one? Don't. Oh, the police are lying. Okay, go ahead. Well, no, and and, and D, the police aren't camping out at this residence to be able to verify that these, these parents are not teaching the child. And E, there could be some kind of learning disability of this child that we don't even know about. That goes goes hand in hand with the need here to do some type of med- medical and mental health exam or... Oh, don't uh, worry about that. He's in the hospital right now where they're trying to save him from dying from malnourishment. He's in the intensive care unit, and he's getting physical and speech therapy. Now, what I don't like, Alan Duke, is the judge actually allowed the mother to visit him in the hospital, according to WFTV. Why should she get to visit him in the hospital when she's let this happen? Well, she is out of jail, and she, uh, her husband... Her Don't hu- rub it in. She she is out of jail. In fact, she visited uh, the court when her husband was uh, brought into court very recently. Uh, they are losing the other two children, apparently. There is a hearing coming up on the other two children. Those are his children. Children, the one that were in perfectly good health. We do know they have Brian Claypool to address your legitimate point. I do know the little boy has been treated. He is. And this is the diagnosis from the doctors, unless you would like to tell me they're lying too. this little boy is clinically malnourished. He has not been fed 
according to the doctors. The mother, Naomi Hall, was arrested on child neglect and causing great harm. And as Alan pointed out, she's walked free on $35,000 bail. Now, Alan, you know what thirty-five grand means? That means three thousand five hundred. You only have to put down ten percent. Right. She could hawk her car and get out, or 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 have a house worth thirty-five thousand dollars that you could put a property bond on, right? Now the dad, Brian Hall, told cops he would not take a day off from work at Applebee's restaurant where he works to get medical care for the child. He made that statement that he would not take a day off of work to take the boy to the hospital. Quote, he's not my responsibility. I'm not his father. I come from a rich white family. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Brian, here's where you can jump in and defend him. Nancy, yeah, sure thing. Nancy, look, if being dumb was a felony, this guy would be in jail. He'd be in a slammer for 15 to 20 years. But... Unfortunately, in this case, uh, his lack of pr- prudence and lack of common sense is not a crime. And, and the second part of it is, which, which is intriguing in this case, is does the, a non-natural parent of a child have a legal duty uh, to be doing everything that you're talking about that we're assuming went wrong here? For example, failing to feed a child, failing to educate a child. My argument would be, and it's an uncomfortable argument because I'm a child advocate too, but, but let, let's, let's, let's undress the legal issues here. I don't believe he has the legal duty here to ensure that this, 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 uh, this child's uh, safety is, 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 uh, is secured. I think that rests with, with the mom. Wouldn't you agree? Because he's a stepfather. Now, hold on. Let's he's examine that. He's not a mandated that. reporter either. I don't believe a, is that is an argument. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you something. When I would go into court every day, I not only had to prepare my case, but I had to anticipate what the defense was going to say and be ready to shoot it down like a laser. Okay. Uh, Alan, wh- what are those? Um, we we're preparing them right now. There, And it all started under Reagan, as I recall. The idea that you could shoot down an incoming missile that's what you've got to do in court. And what Brian Claypool has just said is an argument, not that I believe it, of course, that could be made in court. So the state's got to be ready. His argument, among many of them, is this is not the guy's, this is not the little boy's natural father. So he had no duty to make sure the child lived. He's a stepfather. Let's look at that legally. The father, the stepfather, is legally married to the mother. This is her biological child. They are living together and have been in a legal marriage. So in my mind, to my knowledge of the law, he cannot stand by and let the child starve. The child has never been in school, has never had any type of education at all. The child right now is near death. I don't know that the little boy is going to live. I think it's a pretty weak leg to stand on to say, I'm just his stepfather, and therefore I have no duty. In fact, that is what he said. He's not my kid. Well, Nancy, this, this gets, back, it gets back to my point that I said at the onset, which is when you look at something on the surface, sounds bad, looks bad, smells bad, 
but that that that's not enough. That's not evidence to convict somebody here. And the lack of evidence here is: Do we know whether, for example, the, the this 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 Brian gentleman adopted? No, I don't think he was ever adopted, but I don't know that. But when you take on a duty, you go in as the parent and you live in the home and you're married to the mother. I mean, to me, the mother, I can't believe she even got on $35,000. But that's not the end. I want to go to our next story. And I'm going to keep an eye. I'm, I'm just praying to God the little boy doesn't die. Alan, in another, I'm very disturbed about this. A convicted child molester moves right next door to his child sex attack victim. I, I'm just, I'm stunned. And not only that, that's bad enough, but an Oklahoma judge lets it happen. Now, here's what the judge said. The judge says some craziness like, now under the law, current Oklahoma statute prevents sex offenders from living within 2,000 feet of a school, a daycare center, or a park. But the law says nothing about the actual victim. Now, see, the way I would have interpreted that, Brian Claypool, is if the law says you can't live 2,000 feet from a school or a daycare or a park, then you certainly can't live 2,000 feet from your victim, the child you molested and went to jail over. Instead, the Oklahoma judge says, since they didn't mention the victim, I guess you can live there. What? Well, Nancy, I think the problem here is the the legislature in Oklahoma. Are they snoozing on the job? Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. What kind of tap water are they drinking in Oklahoma? Man, I don't know I mean, what's going on. Sure I don't know what's going that on with that. That law is not cleared up. And i, I got to tell you, Brian, I have dealt with so many child molestation victims, so many rape victims. Let me tell you something. When this happens to you as a child, you never, ever get over it the rest of your life. You're left feeling so helpless so powerlessness i mean so powerless you, it, nobody helped you this happened to you it happened repeatedly and they feel humiliation and shame it it can ruin the rest of your life you can right. never get beyond what yeah, happened so to I you as a that? child can, yeah yes can i counter that hear me out on this for a second to be devil's advocate because i've represented uh, in fact, I was one of the lead lawyers on the largest child sexual abuse case in the history of our country, the Miramonte child abuse case that occurred against, we, we litigated four years against the Los Angeles Unified School District. And I will tell you that an argument can be made to the contrary, too, which is it, 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 in some instances with, when children are, are abused, when they confront the abuser, like, for example, the argument here is, well, this, this the girl lives next door to this this predator now. and. She's going to be re-traumatized when she sees him. That's one argument. But a counter to that is some of these kids, and I've seen it, that when they actually confront or see the, the, the molester, they can actually help them move along in their mental health progress. What? It, it can actually uh, When you have to look at your molester, it helps disorder. you? This is going down in Bristow, Oklahoma, and it is a case that has caused outrage in an Oklahoma community, as it should. 
and the state leaders should be ashamed of themselves. Now, to their defense, this was a little-known loophole in the law. And I get nervous whenever I have to say the word loophole because I know something bad's about to happen. The girl says, he's right there, practically in my backyard. It makes me not want to go home ever. She says the perp, Harold English, has just been released from prison after after conviction. This is not a charge. This is a conviction of molesting her when she was a little girl. She said... And according to her parents, she hoped she could move on. No one ever believed he could move in next door, literally just over the fence. Oklahoma has got to change the law. And I'm shocked that an Oklahoma judge went along with this. He did, however, take some steps to help. He issued a thousand feet protective order for the family. I mean, I, I, I'm just right. I mean, that's a good overwhelmed point. Nancy, that's, about that's a good what point. this girl is going to have to go through. Right, but didn't didn't the, he did do that? Yeah, didn't the judge, in effect, uh, almost kind of legislate himself pending? I believe there's a session that's going to come up in. Uh, it, it's kind of kind of odd though that the Oklahoma legislature is going to wait. I think another several months before they even tackle this issue. But I think the judge kind of legislated himself. You know what's interesting that you just said, Brian? I'm just wondering, what does it take to have an emergency session? How many people does it take to to correct the law? Um, anyway, this is what I know that's happening in Oklahoma right now. Outrage after a child molester literally moves next door to the victim. I want to thank our sponsor, our partner here at Crime Stories, Blue Apron. It's the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in our country. Their mission, to make incredible home cooking available to everybody. And they get this by supporting a more sustainable food system. They set the highest standards for ingredients and they build their own community of home chefs. Do you ever feel you you get home from work, you're exhausted to start with, but you want to be that mom, that dad that does it all, that can work and take care of your children, set them down to a nice meal at night around the table together as a family, Well, you can do that with Blue Apron. It is affordable, less than 10 bucks a person. I mean, compare that to having to get the kids in the car, drive to a restaurant, ugh, order, amuse them while the food's being prepared. It gets there. You don't really know what they put in it. Then you got to get back in the car and get back home. Adds on an hour, hour and a half to the evening. It's affordable, there's variety, it's flexible, it's so easy, and it's guaranteed. And one more thing, check out this week's menu. Get your first three meals free, repeat, free, with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash nancygrace. 
You will love how it feels to get the great taste to create the incredible home-cooked meal with Blue Apron. Don't wait. It's blueapron.com slash Nancy Grace. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. Thank you, Blue Apron, for joining us on Crime Stories. With us today on our very first Sirius XM radio program is Mark Class. Mark Class has been in my life for many, many years and has been an inspiration to me at times when I thought I could not go on and continue the fight against crime. I think of Mark Class. Mark Class has been a victim's rights champion since his daughter, Polly, was taken, taken out of her home and killed. He has been the gold standard for victims across this country for many years. Mark, before I get to the issue today, which is a little boy missing, I want to ask you how it is that you keep going. You know, people say, what's your secret? I don't really know what my secret is, but could you... How do you keep going? How do you get beyond losing Polly to to continue the fight every single day? I, I don't know how you do it. Well, you have to, Nancy. And first of all, thank you for all the, the very kind words. But one really has to. I, I surround myself with memories of Polly. Um, I have my faith. I have my beautiful wife, Violet, and my family that encourage me and that support me. And I, I allow the anger that has driven me for so many decades now to, to, to stay at the top, to remind me that horrible things happen to wonderful people and that it doesn't have to be that way that if we all work together and we work diligently and we keep our focus on, on, on the target that we can save people from crime and we can protect people from evil doers. I really appreciate what you're saying right now, but you know, after my fiance was murdered and the years that followed when I, you know, dropped out of school and decided to go to law school to be a prosecutor, I thought I knew it all about suffering and loss. But now that I have the twins, John, David, and Lucy, when I think of what you went through, I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I could even stand up and take a step. I just, you're a real inspiration to me. Everyone with me is Mark Class, who founded Class Kids, Class Kids Foundation. And he also is in charge of created Class Kids Search and Rescue. They're located out of Pensacola, Florida, and they do about 100 searches a year to help find missing people. Mark Class knows what he's talking about. He's been there. And that's why I'm going to him now in the search for a little boy Kyron Horman. I will never forget his face. Beautiful little gap tooth smile, a pair of glasses, kind of a little buzz cut. He was just seven years old, just seven. 
at the time he goes missing in the weirdest circumstances Chiron has a as I recall a science project I'm doing this off the top of my head a science project there's a science fair that day at school and his stepmother takes him to school she says he goes in the building and he's never seen alive again he's never seen period no trace of Kyron Horman and I have studied and studied and studied this case but now in the last hours literally the case is heating up help me out Mark what's happening well, there are several things that are happening. First of all, there is a uh, grand jury that's been impaneled to listen to evidence in the case. And obviously, we have no idea what that evidence is. But it's significant that seven years after a little boy dies, that they're still involved in those kinds of uh, activities. There have been uh, official, not volunteer, but there have been uh, law enforcement ground searches for Chiron in the past couple of months, including one just this past week, I believe. So there's obviously new information that's been shared with them, uh, whether it's through the grand jury or through other means, because they're also looking at computers. They're also looking at computer evidence from uh, seven years ago. They've taken a computer that belonged to Chiron's um, stepmother and are doing some new forensic testing on that. And then they've also come and interviewed um, Chiron's stepmother down in Sacramento, where she now lives, um, about a, a variety of things. She seems to have had a criminal history. There seems to have been a past murder for hire um, case against her. She has threatened a boyfriend recently. She's stolen a firearm recently. This is a woman that obviously has anger management issues. So all of these things are sort of percolating at one time. And uh, hopefully, as, as Kyron's mother you know, so eloquently put it, she'll be able to get up one morning and have, have a, a resolution to this horrible mystery. Mark, I cannot even imagine getting up, as you said, getting up in the morning with the knowledge that I don't know where my child is, and I haven't known that one day he goes to school or she goes to school, and I never see them again. You know, I know my children are nine years old now, but the other night, night before last, I took a picture of John David in his sleep. He was so precious, and I sneak in on him all the time and just look at them. I just can't even imagine. how. I'm going to get back to the stepmother, but am I missing a fact at all about the way Kyron went missing? What happened that day to your memory? Well, to my memory, she left about a two-second interval where he could have disappeared. I, she took him to school, as you said. I believe she watched him go up to the front, up to the door of his classroom and then turned around. And I think that there was surveillance tape or, or a custodian or somebody that, that followed in right after that that really narrowed that window where he could have possibly disappeared because she said he went into the school, he went to the door, and then somebody else saw that he wasn't there at all. And the indication is that this was a made-up story, that he was never at the school. Therefore, Did anyone else ever see in- him at the school, Mark? Anybody ever else ever see him? No, nobody ever saw him after that point. 
I believe, like you said, there was a science fair, and I think he was going in to participate um, or to, to demonstrate his, his project in the science fair. But no, she was the last person that ever saw him. She left about a two-second window of opportunity for him to disappear, which is absolutely ludicrous. Nobody disappears in two seconds from public place. Now, and let me that clarify on, that in my own mind. You're saying she left a two-second window for him to disappear. Mm-hmm. And I guess that means she's saying she saw him walk into the door at school mm-hmm. and then... I guess he'd have to disappear between the door and his classroom. And and, and, and yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And there was nobody else. There was nobody else in, in the hallway until I believe a custodian came into the hallway and there was no Chiron there at all. The search for Chiron Horman is closing down roads in Portland's West Hills area. According to Mark Class and news outlets, the stepmother is being re-interviewed and computer searches have been done relating to her. What do we know about the computer searches? I'm just interested. They've never been done before. I can't even believe that myself. And I don't know what's new in computer science. It enables them to go deeper, perhaps, into communications or activity that occurred on the computer. But I, I have to believe that they did forensic testing at the time, back yeah. in 2010. It was a pretty advanced I think they did, too, at that Mark. Point. Sure. Maybe sure. they're looking for so, something new on her computer. Well, they're saying that it's a computer that used to belong to her. Oh, so I don't okay. know if it's a computer that she, she has in, in her possession right now, um, but it is a computer that she was using at one point. What do we know about her, about the stepmother? Well, we know that she was at one point in time involved in bodybuilding. Um, and if you've seen any pictures of her during that time, uh, the inference, I think, is very clear that she might have been using steroids. And we know that steroids do create problems, but that's just an opinion of mine. Um, but we know that she is now divorced from Chiron's father, father um, Kane Horman. And I, I believe that there was a domestic abuse incident there involving her. Uh, she's living in Sacramento. She recently stole her roommate's gun and he charges against her. Back in December, she threatened to stab a boyfriend who is now an ex-boyfriend. And back in 1990, there was a uh, a murder-for-hire plot against yet another boyfriend. So this is definitely a lady with some anger management issues. You know what's scary? You think you know someone and you let them be around your child in good faith, not having any idea that you, the one that loves your child the most in the world, is actually opening the door for more sinister things to happen. The timeline goes down like this. It was a Friday, June 4, Skyline Elementary. It opens early so students and parents can tour the science fair. Okay, there's a big billboard outside that talks about the expo and a talent show. He was supposed to take part in the expo science fair and the talent show. Now, the stepmother arrived shortly after with her stepson, Kyron Horman. Okay, 
Another, this is an important thing. At 8.15, the president of the school PTA arrives and sees Chiron with his stepmother at the exhibit. 8.45, she leaves. She says she watches Chiron walk toward his classroom after they drop off the things, their stuff at the science fair. That's it. That's it. Classes begin. At some point, the homeroom teacher reports him absent. Immediately, you've got Terry Horman, the stepmother, posting photos of Chiron at the science fair on her Facebook page. She goes to meet the school bus. Chiron has been absent all day. Kane, the husband, also went with her. The Skyline School secretary places a call to 911 about, she calls about Kyron being missing. Not the stepmother. The school secretary. Look how many hours they've lost, Mark Class. It's 346. He went missing with the stepmother at 845 a.m. Look at how much time they've lost. Time lost and opportunity gained for her to dispose of the body, one could say. You know, rapid broadcast messages from the public school goes out to alert families of the missing student. Kyron Horman did not arrive at home today. It was broadcast to phones of parents across the school district. The search begins. To this day, Kyron Horman has not been found. Tip line 503-261-2847. Repeat, 503-261-2847. Question to you, Mark Class. You said Kyron is dead. Why do you say that? Because there's been no word of him over the course of the past seven years. Now, I know that one can hold on to the hope of another Elizabeth Smart resolution or another J.C. Dugard resolution, but those were different types of situations. Um, those were children that were literally taken by strangers. They were taken by strangers, and they were taken for a specific purpose so that they could become sex slaves. In Chiron's situation, we're looking at a very different kind of a scenario. We're looking at a stepmother with issues of her own who has put together a, a, a story that makes absolutely no sense on any level whatsoever. And there's been no sight nor sound of Hormon, of Chiron over the course of the past seven years. So I think the chances of him turning up alive somewhere are are almost infinitesimal simply because her intention was not to maintain this boy as a sex slave but to take this boy out of her life altogether can i ask you about the priors the stepmother had what does that mean what does that mean as it relates to Kyron's disappearance well it just shows a history of violence is what it shows in a history of threatening violence. Uh, there's the murder for hire, certainly. There's the intention or, the, or the, the threat to stab a boyfriend. There's the theft of a firearm. 
I mean, we're talking about items of, of destruction is what we're talking about here. And we're talking about destruction and the potential for destruction. So, you know, I'm much, much older than this woman. I've never in my life been involved in any of these types of situations as, as most people have not. So when you find somebody that, that does have a history that goes back decades that involves firearms, that involves threats with knives, that enthrall, involves disappearances of little boys, you have to draw your own conclusions. Another issue happened that October following Kyron's disappearance. The husband, Kane Horman, files an objection to the stepmother visiting with daughter Kiara. He wants a mental health evaluation of Terry Moulton before allowing her to be with their young daughter. They had this daughter together. Do you know what became of that? No, I don't. And, I, you know, I know I've met uh, Kane Horman, and he's a, a quiet man, and a, 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 he keeps to himself, and he doesn't share a lot of information. And, and in fact, the last time I, I talked to Kane, it wasn't one of the greatest conversations I ever had, but he, he indicated he'd prefer to keep his uh, personal affairs personal. After what all they've been through, um Mm, I just it's just so hard for me to imagine what they've been through. But I know this. The search for Kyron Horman is far from over. A seven year old little boy. It is far from over. Mark Class, I can't thank you enough, not only for today, but for every day that you inspire all of us to continue on. Mark, thank you. Thank you, Nancy. You're the best. We now turn to a breaking story. Four children dead. A fifth in critical condition, still in the hospital, and the dad. That's five dead and another, a nine-year-old girl's life hanging in the balance. What happened? And this isn't the result of a car crash or some catastrophic accident. These four children were stabbed dead. The fifth little girl, as I said, just nine years old, the age of my twins, is in the hospital in critical condition. Why would anyone stab five children? Five little children! And then appear in court smiling and actually giving a double thumbs up for the cameras. Yeah, that killer, Isabel Martinez, the mother of the children. Yes, with me right now. Renowned psychologist Karen Stark joining us out of New York. And also with me, my friend and colleague, Joseph Scott Morgan, death investigator and professor at Jacksonville State University. To both of you, thank you for being with us. Joe Scott, let me start with you. You know, when I describe the murders in this case, it's shocking and gut-wrenching. But then when I say the punchline 
the mother, Isabel, is the killer, somehow everybody goes, oh, oh, okay. I, I, I don't get that. Help me out, Joe Scott. Yeah, it, it doesn't, uh, for me, it doesn't, it doesn't lessen it for me. Uh, the police are describing this as an absolute bloodbath. That's all that has really been released at this point. The medical examiner hasn't given too much more detail, but I can tell you this, Nancy. Anytime you have an attack where you have individuals that are uh, that are stabbed, this is a very personal crime. Uh, and you have four of these children that have literally been slaughtered in their little home in Loganville, Georgia, about 30 miles east of Atlanta, and also the father of these children. And as you mentioned, this one little nine-year-old girl just clings to life at the Children's Hospital in Atlanta. Five counts of malice murder, five counts of murder, six counts of aggravated assault, and Isabel smiles in court, shaking her head no, and wagging her finger at the judge when the judge, Judge Thorpe, informed her of a right to have a lawyer. She said she doesn't want a lawyer, and she will... uh, her faith will always be in the people and her faith. Okay, you know what? She better get down on her knees and start praying now. Okay, because Karen Stark, psychologist, if she has the sense to say no to the judge and wag her finger, give a thumbs up and smile, there's no way she was insane. Because she is saying she understands what the judge is saying and charging her with, but she's saying no, no, I didn't do that. And can speak coherently. Now, I know what's going to happen, Karen. People who study mothers accused of killing their children will claim that she had, I don't know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, um, baby blues, uh, post-baby depression. As in the case of Andrea Yates, who was found not guilty by reason of insanity for methodically drowning all five of her children in her suburban Houston home. Okay, remember that? And everybody gave her a free pass. Same thing is going to happen here, and I disagree, Karen Stark. You know, Nancy, it will really depend on whether she does, in fact, have mental illness or whether this was something that was a conscious decision on her part, as you said. And that's much rarer than somebody who has had some kind of a psychotic break or a postpartum depression, um, which is the other alternative. It, and it's hard to imagine when you think of somebody like Susan Smith, her motive, she's a sociopath. She fits in that category where she had a Okay, let's refresh everybody's recollection. Susan Smith, um, had, she and her husband were estranged. She got a new boyfriend. The boyfriend said he didn't want to marry anybody that already had children, a ready-made family. And so, bam, what happened? There is no doubt at all that she buckled her children, I think it was three little boys, into the the family vehicle and pushed it into the lake and then tried to blame an unknown African-American male. You know, I remember Alan Duke, I was sitting in trial around the time this happened. I looked at my trial partner and said, Herman, have you seen the composite in the Susan Smith case? He goes, mm-hmm. I'm like, it looks a lot like you, Herman. Because the guy that she blamed, of course, he didn't exist, 
was incredibly like my trial partner. It looked just like him. I said, well, Herman, if you need me, I can give you an alibi, okay? <laughs> she was there with me trying a case. So she blames the black guy, and she actually murdered her own children to get a younger boyfriend. Now, there is no way in H-E-L-L that she was mentally insane. She's just plain old mean, and she's where she needs to be, in jail, in route to hell, okay? Now, let's talk about Andrea Yates, or Andrea Yates. She drowns all five of her children, including a six-month-old little girl. Her lawyers claim she had severe postpartum psychosis at the time. The children were covered in bruises where they tried to live. They fought to live, even the baby. I have a hard time giving these moms a free pass, Karen Stark. I could understand that, Nancy, but when you think about um, her case, it's very different than Susan Smith. This is more of an altruistic killing where she believes, and she literally does believe. What? What? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say an altruistic killing? Yes. And in in your psycho talk, what is an altruistic killing? That's a killing. I can't wait to hear this. Where you believe that your children are better off dead. We are, you're in a psychotic Let me ask you one thing. You say they're so different. You say Andrea Yates' case is so different from Susan Smith's case. That's correct. Let me ask you just one question. This is a yes-no answer, Karen Stark. Okay, Nancy. In both cases... Are all the little children dead? Yes. Okay, that's my jumping off point right now, uh, right there. Let me get back to Isabel Martinez, who flashes a thumbs up and smiles in court. Joe Scott, did I get that wrong? Joseph Scott Morgan, uh, professor at Jacksonville State University, did I miss something? Is that correct? Yes, yes. Actually, she was uh, folding her hands in prayer, very demonstrative in court, extending her arms out, making the sign of the cross, Uh, all of these types of things. She even knelt at one point in time. The bailiff had to come over and direct her to stand up. And then she continues on with a smirk. And, uh, you know, as as a death investigator working in New Orleans and Atlanta over 20 years, we we had an adage that we would apply. We would say, you know, the more insane you behave, the crazier and uh, the more uh, robust the killing, uh, the higher the likelihood it is that you're going to get away with it. Uh, Because, uh, you know, people, when they view these folks, they think, well, no one in their right mind could have done this. Uh, You go back to, again, I don't want to redirect here, but just for a moment, I'd like to revisit Andrew Yates. You think about her. I call that a purposed killing uh, because, uh, you know, you mentioned that the children had bruises all over them. Uh, This is something that took time to do. It was an organized manner in which that was done, where she had to drown these children individually. That's a brutal thing. It's not like taking a weapon, the mechanism of death as we apply to it, and quickly shooting somebody. Um, We can go to this case in particular. This took purpose uh, with uh, Martinez. Uh, She had to facilitate using a knife, I'm assuming, and this is a big assumption, she killed the adult male first and then methodically went through and butchered these uh, four children and severely severely injured this other. So it's not like this. Well, let me tell you something else, Joe Scott, that may factor into your analysis 
Police say the killings, the murders, occur between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. So she waited till everybody was asleep before she stabbed them all dead. That changes my thinking. Yeah, my, a great deal. Yeah, yeah, my, mine too, Nancy. When you know, when when I was learning criminal law in in college in Louisiana, they had a, a term, and I know that you're very familiar with it. And it's called the heating and cooling of blood. Uh, this idea that you have sufficient amount of time for for your you know to to go from this kind of rage state into uh, a clearer thought pattern where you can think what you're doing. This is an extended period of time. What's going to be essential to this in a forensic standpoint is to find out what kind of postmortem changes took place uh, with these bodies to find out what stages of, of postmortem change. You know, uh, was one child in full rigor mortis? Was the husband in full rigor mortis? Because that's going to mean that they died earlier. And how long uh, did it take? And also, this is something else I'd be very curious to know. Was any one of these people, were they tortured in the meantime? I've worked cases where people have used edged weapons and they have protract over a protracted period of time. They've taken an edged weapon and essentially terrorized the individual by making small cuts over the body. Were these people restrained? That sort of thing. That's the information that I want to know that we don't have yet. But I'm sure that that's going to come out eventually. Four children dead as young as the little one. Axel, age two, a nine-year-old girl's life hanging in the balance as we wait to hear the outcome in the case against, of all people, their mother. I want to thank you for being with us today, of all days, our first program on the awesome Sirius XM. Nancy Grace signing off. Goodbye, friend. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. 
The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places.